0: Well, welcome to Front Range. My name is Ernest Smith. I'm the lead pastor. We're so grateful that you are here, whether you're joining us in person or maybe because it's fall break, you like find yourself on a beach somewhere uh, or in the mountains. I said that last service and then a guy texted me uh, from his, uh, his uh, beach hotel. And I was like, you're not my friend anymore. Um, so wherever you're at, uh, we're grateful to have you as well. And our hope and prayer is that this will become a home for you a place where you can build community, discover your purpose, and grow in your faith in Jesus. I want to let you know about two things that are happening. One, uh, we have baptisms on uh, October 29th, so that's in two Sundays from now. So if you've never been baptized, or maybe you're like me, you were baptized when you were an infant, uh, and, but not after you've made a decision for Christ, then man, we'd love to, uh, to walk in that with you, to see you take that faith step. It's just you telling the world, like, I am now living my life for Christ, I'm a new creation and all of that. Uh, So if you've never had that or uh, you'd like that opportunity, You can just uh, go to our website or you can check the baptism box on your connect card and we'll follow up with you and make sure that you've got all of the details for that. The second thing I want to let you know is that right now, and this is for those of you who call Front Range Home. So if this is your first time or if you're still like, I'm not sure yet, then then disregard. But if you call Front Range Home, then uh, right now we're in a campaign called For the Church for the City. We started it last year. And we said, hey, in order for us to get into a permanent home, we bought the land, uh, we, uh, we have the, the, the funding uh, secured, uh, we just did a groundbreaking a couple weeks ago, we're waiting on the people that are building it, uh, they're finishing up the, um, uh, the library, so once they get done with that, then they'll move over to ours, and so uh, God has been super faithful, but the only way we get into a, a permanent home is to be able to raise $4 million toward that. That's not the whole price of it, uh, but we need to be able to raise that to get into it. So we, we did this campaign last year. Uh, we fell a tiny bit short of, of that goal. And then we know that some people move away and things like that. And so we've got this gap that we're trying to bridge. So we're saying, hey, over the next four weeks, why don't we pray about what God may have us do to be able to bridge that gap. And uh, we're, our goal now is uh, an additional 500000 to be able to help bridge that gap. And here's what I know. I know there's three types of people. Uh, First, there's those who committed something, and you've been giving, and you're like, man, I'm tapped out. Like, this is all I can do. I just want to say thank you. Uh, Your generosity means so much Uh, to me. I know the sacrifice that you're making, and I'm so grateful. Just keep doing what God called you to do. There's some people, though, uh, you made a commitment, and you've fulfilled that commitment already. Or uh, God has blessed you even more since last year. Uh, And so God might be saying, hey, I want you to do more. Uh, my wife and I, we were having this conversation a few days ago, and uh, we felt like God was saying, hey, I want you to do more. We are—we had already done our faith number. Like, we would already, like, stepped out. Like, we don't know how we're going to do this. And then over the last year, we've sold a lot of stuff, and uh, God's just blessed us. And so he said, okay, um, let's, let's do even more. And <laughs> we don't know how we're going to get there, but we know that God's going to provide. Um, and that's just a, the faith journey. Uh, That on, And that might be some of you where you're like, man, we could do more than what we initially committed. And then there's others. We know there's a large portion of people. In fact, in September, the month of September, when you do year-over-year growth metrics, we had grown by over 30%. Uh, Just to give you an understanding of that, large church growth is 7%. So we had grown over 30%. So we know that a lot of people were not with us a year ago when we initially did for the church for the city. So we're saying, hey, why not join us? Why not be a part? So what we're doing, we're, we're saying, hey, will you take this commitment card, and we just pray over it, and we pray over for, over the next couple of weeks, just saying, hey, God, what is ours to do? We don't believe that we're, we're that everybody's going to give equally, but we want everybody to do something to be a part in some form or fashion if this is your church home. And we're going to have a big commitment Sunday uh, on uh, on October 29th. Do not miss it. It's going to be so much fun. We've been planning this day. There's going to be so many fun activities for the kids, for us, for for everybody. So don't miss it. But then on that day, we're going to say, hey, all of us are going to bring this. And let's just see what God does. Let's see um, uh, how God shows up in a a supernatural way and provides for us uh, in this future home. I was reading this passage. I just want to read it to you uh, real quick. It's Philippians chapter 4, verse 16 and 17. This is Paul who we've been studying. He's writing to the church in Philippi. And he says this, for even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. So when I had needs, when the ministry had needs, when I I needed to eat or the ministry needed to grow and we needed help, you guys gave to this. Verse 17, not that I desire your gifts. I don't desire your money. He says, what I desire is that more be credited to your account. When I read that, I was like, man, that's pretty fascinating that that God's ledger book looks different than ours. Like heavenly bookkeeping is a little bit different than our bookkeeping. Like what Paul is saying here is that because you gave and people came to Christ through this ministry, somehow that's going to be attributed to you in heaven. Now, I don't know what that means. I don't know what that looks like. I'm super excited that one day I'm going to have the opportunity to be able to go, Man, look at all these people that came to Christ because of this church, because of the generosity of people in this church. Like somehow that's going to be attributed to your account. So I just thought, man, if that's the case, then may our bookkeeping be based on heavens and not on our own. So my prayer is that all of us would join in in some way and that God would do something supernatural so we can get into this building. In fact, let's pray together. Father, we come before you, and I just thank you, God. I thank you for your mercy and your grace in our lives. I thank you that each one of us is in a different place. And some of us, God, we're just plugging away. And God, I thank you for those people. And I pray that, God, you would just help us to keep being faithful with that. And, Father, for others of us, God, you've uh, for some reason given us more, given us a way to uh, redo our budgets or whatever. God, help us to say, God, what is ours to do? How, is there something more that we can do? And then, God, for those of us who are new, uh, who weren't here last year, God, I pray that you would tell us, God, how we can get engaged, how we can get involved. And God, use this for your glory. God, use this to reach this town and beyond. God, use this to reach our community and so we can better serve people and love people. And we're just grateful. We're grateful that we even get to have this opportunity and the growth we've had and all the things that you're doing. God, we give you the honor and glory. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen. amen. Hey, Have you ever thought about the dreams that you have in life? Like, what dreams do you have? Like when you think about like what you want to do, what what are those things that you want to do? I know some of you are like Ernest. I can't even dream. I, like my dream is to get five hours of sleep tonight. You know, like that's like that's where some of us are at. and I totally get that. But try to think about like big picture. What do you what do you most want? For me, there's I got a lot of dreams. Uh, I have a dream that one day the uh, Atlanta Braves will finally beat the Phillies. And I won't have to wear a hat because I lost a bet. Um, I I I have that dream uh, one day. I have a dream that uh, my daughter, I'm going to walk her down the aisle. And then I'm going to turn around I'm going to officiate the ceremony. Uh, A few few weeks ago, she went to help our, our niece pick out a wedding dress. And so she put one on. And they sent me the picture. And I was like, you better take that off right now. You are not old enough to be wearing stuff like that. Uh, I have a dream that my dog Winston will make many Winstons one day, you know. Uh, I have a dream that one day me and my kids will buy this like old, like a 66, 67 Corvette. that looks like junk and we're going to restore it to look like this. Like I have a lot of dreams, but the biggest dream that I have, and this might sound dark for some of you, is that I'm going to be sitting on my deathbed and my wife's going to be there, my kids are going to be there. God willing, my grandkids and maybe even great-grandkids. And we're going to be talking about the legacy. They're going to be talking about the legacy that I got to leave. That how Because I chose to follow Christ and was the first one in my family to truly start walking with Jesus. That that changed my family. That, that changed the trajectory of their life and, and, and of our family tree and all of that. And I want to be able to say that, man, I made a difference with my life. And I think deep down all of us have that. I think no matter no matter where you're at in life that all of us deep down have this desire that we make a difference that we leave a legacy and leaving a legacy is not about how much money you have in your bank account it's not about how many toys you have leaving a legacy is about the impact you make on the lives of people around you that's what it looks like but how do we do that i mean how do we leave a legacy how do we be a game changer. That's what we've been talking about in this series called Game Changers. Where we're, start, we're studying the, the life of Paul, who is one of the greatest missionaries and church planners of all times. We're looking at his life in the book of Acts. Uh, and we've seen over time uh, how he's made a difference. And if you've missed any of the series, I would encourage you to go check out our series hubs. You can find them by going onto our website, frontrange.org. Uh, or you can uh, scan the QR code that's found on your worship guide. And you can get our series hubs there, which have all of our previous messages, different resources to help you grow in your faith and uh, take next steps in your faith. Uh, But when we look at the life of Paul today, what we're looking at is that he's at the end of his last missionary journey. He's got still a few years left to his life before he's killed for his faith. Uh, But this is the last time we see him doing significant ministry, right? The type of ministry we've been seeing, like the church planting and the discipleship and all of that. This is the end of his ministry. It's kind of sad. To be honest, it's kind of like, you know, when you, when you find a good TV show and then it comes to an end, you know, like maybe for some of you it was MASH or maybe it was Seinfeld or Friends or, you know, The Office or, you know, for some of us, Yellowstone, you know. It's like that when you find something, you're like, oh, man, that's a bummer that that's coming to an end. Well, that's kind of where we're at with Paul's life. We've seen him proclaim the gospel to some of the most challenging places. He's been beaten, arrested, thrown in, in prison for his faith Uh, We've seen him reason with some of the most intelligent humans in Athens. He's planted an incredible church in an immoral city like Corinth and another great church in a city like Ephesus. But today we're at the end of his journey, and what's fascinating is Paul knows it. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Acts chapter 20. That's what we're going to be looking at. If you don't have a Bible, no worries. It's going to be up on the screen. If you need a Bible, we'd love to get you one. You can just go to our connection tent, the blue tent, as you're heading to your car and just say, hey, can I get a Bible? We don't need your name, your money, none of that stuff. Just let us know. We want to make sure you have the word of God in your house. Let me set this up for you. So the last time we saw Paul, he was in Ephesus. Now he's heading to Jerusalem for the Passover, and he stops off at this little port city, this important port city of about 60,000 people called Militas. Now at Militas, he he says to the, the elders in Ephesus, which is about 30 miles away, he says, hey, I want you to come meet me. I want you to come here. Now, why doesn't Paul go to them? Because there are people in Ephesus that wanted to kill him. So Paul's like, it's probably a better idea if you guys come visit me. And it's here that Paul gives um, uh, this speech that is unlike any speech we've seen up until this point. In fact, it's the first time in Acts where we see Paul addressing Christians. Up until this point, he's been proclaiming the gospel. He's been sharing his faith. He's been trying to help people come to Christ. But this is the first speech we see in Acts where Paul is addressing it specifically to Christians. Many scholars would say this is Paul's last will and testament. Like he's giving his own eulogy here. And the fast-paced Paul, he's looking back and he's thinking about all the ministry that he's done over the years. He's thinking about the late nights and rooms lit by candlelight. Sharing the gospel, sharing his faith. He's thinking about the hundreds, the thousands of times that he's preached in synagogues, the, the thousands of afternoons he spent uh, in the, the temple of Tyrannus just giving the gospel where people would come from all over Asia to hear him preach and to give their lives over to Christ. The thousands of personal conversations he spent bent over the text of scripture just sharing his faith. So he's looking back and he wants to give his last thoughts to these leaders. And here's what he says Acts 20, verse 19. He says, I serve the Lord with great humility and with tears, and in the midst of severe testing by the plots of my Jewish opponents. You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly and from house to house. I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. So he's saying, Hey, you guys know my ministry. You've seen me. You know that I've gone through persecution and trials and I've just maintained the faith and I keep preaching the gospel. Verse 22, and now compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. Now imagine that. Imagine being Paul and he's like, hey, I don't know what's going to happen next. Here's what I do know. It's going to be hard for me. There's going to be hardships and persecution. There's probably going to be imprisonment, beatings. Uh, there, there's going to be some bad things that happen. That's all I know. And I think it's fascinating that he knows this and he still moves forward. Like, am I that type of person that I can go, man, I know that the next place I go to preach the gospel, I'm going to come under heavy persecution. And there's going to be some bad things that happen to me, but I'm going to go anyways. It'd be much easier just to just stay home, you know, to live in the comfort of my life and all that. And Paul's like, that's not what I'm here for. Then he gives this statement that challenges me, and my prayer is that it would challenge you as well. Verse 24, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Paul says, hey, my, wife, my, my life is worth nothing to me. It's worth nothing. In fact, my only goal in life is to finish the race. That's it. I want to finish the race. I want to do the task that God has given to me. What is that task? We'll look back at verse 24. At the very end, it says the task of what? Testifying to the good news of God's grace. This is my purpose. What was he so focused on that he was willing to give his life? He was so focused on testifying about the good news of God's grace, about Jesus. Like that was his purpose. There are people that... I've met hundreds of people over the years that would say, man, if I just knew my purpose, if I just knew why I was here, I would give it all. I'd give the money. I'd give my time. I'd give my energy if I just knew the purpose. And what I would say to that is that Paul tells us not only what his purpose is, but what the purpose of every follower of Christ is. That our purpose, we don't have to like make it some big deal. Our purpose is simply this, testifying to the good news of God's grace. That this is why God has us here. That this is why God created you for such a time as this. So that you'll testify about him. So you'll share your faith of Jesus to the world around you. So Paul says this and then he tells him a few more things. He says, and by the way, this is the last time you're going to see my face. Real encouraging, Paul, thank you. He tells him to keep guard over the church, keep caring for people, then he prays over them. Now what is Paul doing here? I mean, it seems pretty dark. Like imagine being these, these elders. imagine being these men, they've, they've come to Christ underneath Paul's ministry, and he's discipled them and raised them up, and now he's like, "Hey guys, by the way, I'm going to die. You're not going to see me ever again." Like think about the person in your life who's made the greatest impact on your life. Like maybe it was a teacher or a coach, maybe it was your spouse. Maybe it was a youth pastor or community group leader, somebody that has made the greatest impact on your life. Imagine them coming to you and be like, hey, it's been a good run. You won't ever see me again, though. I'm going to die. That's not super encouraging. So, what's Paul doing? What's he doing in this moment? I think he's doing two things. Number one, he's reminding these church leaders and he's reminding all church leaders, including myself or those of you who serve here, those of you who are invested here in some way, you're a church leader. And he's reminding church leaders that we should not just focus on preaching this Christ-centered love, but we got to live it. Like you can't just preach about Christ and about your faith and about all of these things, about how God loves and all of that. You actually have to live it yourself. He's saying that your words matter and your actions matter. That you have to have both. That's so important for me, being a church leader. Like I want to I want to not just preach Christ, I want to live it. I want to live out my faith in such a way that my kids, that my neighbors, that people around me see that it's real, that it's authentic. And it's not something I just talk about on a Sunday, but it's something that I live out every day. And then the second thing Paul's doing is he's showing all of us how to end well. He's showing all of us how to end well. I love that he's showing us all how to end well, because let's be real honest, the Bible And the world doesn't have a lot of examples of leaders ending well. It's sad to say that. Like the world, we see it. We get it, right? That leaders don't end well usually. But the Bible? There's a guy named Dr. Robert Clinton. He's a professor of leadership at Fuller Theological Seminary. And for 15 years, he studied leaders in the Bible. And here's what he says. He says, out of all the people mentioned in the Bible, there's a 1,000 leaders that are mentioned. And out of those 1,000, we know the, the details of a little over a 100 of those. So you have 1,000 leaders that are mentioned. You have the details of their life over a little over 100 of those. How many finished well? 14. You have 1,000 leaders. 14 finished well. And Paul was one of those. And Paul's saying, I'm going to give you a blueprint for how you finish well. Now, some of you may be thinking, this is great, but I'm 23 I'm or I'm 33 or I'm 43 or whatever number you want to give to it. Like, I'm, I'm not thinking about finishing my life at this point. Like, I've got a lot of other things I'm doing. I'm trying to raise my kids. I'm trying to start this business. I'm trying, whatever it may be, i got a lot of things going on. I get that, but here's what I would say. If you're not focused on ending well now, you'll never hit that goal. Like, there's no, like, when you turn 65 and when you turn 85 and when you turn 105, then you start thinking about this. You've got to start thinking about it now. If it's not a goal now, you'll never reach it. You'll never hit it. You'll never finish well. And so as we dived into this topic as a team, we just thought, man, I'm probably not the guy to say how to finish well. Right? Like, that's just not probably where I'm at right now in my life. I'm not finishing right now. And so I thought, well, how can we share this? So what I did is I asked one of our elders, a guy who's older than me, a guy who's more wise than me, a guy who serves and loves people better than me. And I just said, hey, can I sit down with you and talk about finishing well? So I did that with Steve and take a look at this. Hey, everyone. So I'm here with Steve Hendrickson, who is one of our elders and one of our first original elders, actually, Um, And I just thought we'd have a conversation around what Paul is talking to us about here in Acts 20, about how to finish well. And Steve, I love this verse in verse 19 where he says, I serve the Lord with great humility and with tears in the midst of severe testing. Almost as if finishing well um, happens even in the midst of severe testing. And I've seen you walk through this. I mean, you've gone through more testing than probably any other person that I know. Um, you're married to an incredible woman now, but when I met you, you were married to another incredible woman who eventually passed, uh, passed away of cancer. And um, your daughter, one of your daughters, uh, passed unexpectedly a couple years ago, and you just found out that another daughter has cancer and a son-in-law is, has some medical... You've That's not including your own health struggles and house things and just all the things that you have going on. Um, how have you... Kept your faith and remain in your faith and grown your faith through the severe testing?
1: Well, first of all, I'm just a, an ordinary guy. I don't have superpowers, but I do have a super God. And uh, I've learned to uh, lean into God. You know, it's easy to kind of say God is good all the time, all the time God is good. Uh, it's a fine saying, but when we get that gut punch that causes us to fall over, um, how quickly do we say, God is good, and I trust Him? So it's a, it's a process of preparing ourselves for, you know, those inevitable things that happen in life. You have to come to the place of realizing, i got to let God be God. And I may not understand a lot of things, and, and I may have a lot of questions, but when everything is said and done, where else do I turn? <laughs> Who else do I go to but God? And um, in my experience, the grace of God is, has really sustained me through a lot of tough things. So another part that Paul talks about in verse 20 is this idea of,
0: of teaching both publicly and privately from house to house. And there's so much we can unpack there, but I've seen you do this so well. I mean, you've probably met with half of our church over lunch or coffee or some other way. Talk to me about how uh, teaching both publicly and privately helps you to finish well.
1: Well, you know, you have to decide um, what you want to (laughs) be. And you can be a spectator and watch the game and uh, life goes pretty well. The problem is being a spectator never prepares you for when you're going to take a hit. Mm. And when you take that hit, a lot of times it takes you out. Being involved in the different things at Front Range has allowed me to get down on the field and where where real life happens and to learn the things that God wants to teach me in order to help me find my purpose and my calling and... uh, All I know is um, if I'm going to finish well, I can't afford to miss any practices.
0: Uh, Steve, I mentioned earlier in my message how one of my favorite passages is verse 24 where Paul talks about, I I consider my life uh, worth nothing. Um, And he just wants to finish well. Uh, What would be your final encouragement to us as a church? Not from your life, but just from this text and from finishing well. What would you encourage us with?
1: I think we just have to remember that uh, God is for us and not against us. Um, Sometimes we can get so wound up in what we need to do and what we're supposed to do and think and all that, but I think we have a very loving God who has promised us that He will fulfill what He started. He will complete what He started. So it's just a very comforting place when when we understand the heart of God is really for us. And I think we're in a real interesting place as a church right now. We have a new uh, exciting opportunity to also allow God to teach us what faith is all about and to join with Him in what He's trying to do at uh, Front Range. I hope we all get on the field and play the game of life uh, the way that it needs to be played so that God's purpose in Castle Rock, um, the great awakening in our city, can really take place. Amen. Steve, thank you for doing this, but more than that, thank you
0: for being an example to me. Um, not really having that example of older men of faith in my life. Uh, you've been a guy that I've watched for the since you've come into my life just to see how to treat my spouse, how to treat my kids, how to love well, and how to finish well. So thank you. You know, as I was um, just re-watching this video and listening to his answers uh, it just makes me think, okay, what, what, is, what is our next step? And I think for some of us, the next step is to just know, man, that God is for you. and Don't give up. Like some of you are walking through some really hard things right now. And Paul says early in this passage that and even in the hard stuff, even in the, the challenging times and the people that were coming against him, like he kept the faith. And I don't know what you're walking through. I don't know what you're dealing with, but don't give up. A buddy of mine who works for one of the funeral homes in town, he told me that we've had over 10 suicides in the last four weeks. Don't give up. We need you. We need you. Man, life's hard. I get it. It's hard for all of us at times. But Please don't give up. Don't give up on yourself. Don't give up on others. Don't give up on your faith. Like lean into God right now. When things are at its worst, lean in the most. Like lean in right now and watch the God who is faithful, who is good, show up. I don't know how he's going to show up for you. I don't know when he's going to show up. He rarely shows up how I want him to or when I want him to. But he always shows up. Always. So lean in on him. Some of us, God may be saying, hey, get in the game. Get in the game. Maybe you've kind of pulled back in your faith. Maybe you've pulled back from church because of hurt or just because of busyness or whatever the case may be. And God's like, man, don't be a spectator. I didn't create you to be a spectator. I love what Steve said there that when you're a spectator, you don't know how to take a hit. So when the hit comes, like it just, it takes you out. Like, to be able to make it well, to finish well, you've got to be in the game. What does that mean? It might mean, you know, it might mean being a part of generosity. It might be serving. It might be being a part of a group. It, maybe you don't go to church. Maybe it's your first time in church in a while. And God's like, hey, I just want you to start coming. Like, I'm just trying to draw you to myself. Just, just start showing up. God might be saying to you, get in the game. Like, you've been on the sidelines for too long. Don't wait anymore. Just jump in. And then for all of us, my prayer is that you would hear God clearly saying that he is for you. And no matter your past, no matter your mistakes, no matter where you fall with certain issues and political stuff and all of that, that our God says, I am for you. That he loves you deeply. And my prayer is that you would see that. Even if you don't see it in your circumstances, you would see that in the cross. That in the cross, that by looking at the cross, we can know for a fact that God is for us. Because the cross represents our salvation, represents God's love and how he came for us, that our sin separates us from God. And because of that separation, we deserve to pay the penalty of death. That's the penalty for sin. We deserve to pay it. And God said, I love you. I'm for you. So he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for us, to pay that price for us. The beauty is to show his power. Jesus didn't stay dead. He rose from the dead three days later. Show his power over sin and over death. So even if you can't see the faithfulness of God in your situation right now, my prayer is that you would see the faithfulness of God by looking at the cross, knowing that our God is for you. And if he is for you, who can be against you? To finish well, we have to be in the game. To finish well, we're gonna go through trials and hardships. Just keep the faith to finish well. We've gotta know and to live based on the fact that God is for you. Let's pray. Father, we come before you and I thank you so much for your word, God. I thank you for being able to study Paul's life over the last few weeks, God. What incredible opportunity we've had to be able to look at how you used him to change the world, God. And we're asking you to do that with us. You would use us to change the world around us, but Father, the first step starts with us receiving You. And God, we know every single week we have people come into this place that would say, "Man, I'm, I feel far from God." Or, "Man, Ernest, I've, I've been questioning the love or the faithfulness or the goodness of God in my life." I just believe if that's you, that God's saying, "Come home today." Like, don't let your circumstances dictate your faith. Let the goodness of God, what He displayed on the cross. Let that move you toward him. So if that's you and you want to make a commitment to Christ or recommitment to Christ, with every head bowed and eyes closed, it's just between you and God, myself. I'm not going to ask you to get up. I'm not going to ask you to say anything or come forward. But if you want to make a commitment to Christ right now or recommitment to Christ right now, I just want you to raise a hand. I just want to know who to pray for. Amen. 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 Father, thank you for each one of these individuals. Thank you that you know their name, you know their story. If you're watching at home, you can simply text the word follow to the number on the screen. I want you to know our God sees you and he loves you. He is for you. And he showed that by what he did on the cross so that you could be forgiven, so that you could be set free, so that you could have eternal life in Christ. And for all of us, God, tell us what our next step is. God, for some of us, it is just leaning into you right now in the hard moments, the tough times, God, leaning into our faith in you. For others of us, God, it's getting in the game. It's choosing to not stay a spectator anymore, but be willing to jump in whatever way that means. And then, God, I pray for all of us that we would know you're for us. You are for us. Thank you for that, God. And I pray, Father, that we would end well. That when people see our life now and when people see our life at the end, they would say they lived well. They finished well. They kept the faith. They finished the task that you gave us. Pray for that, God, in Jesus' name.